The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. In the book of Luke, verse tw- or chapter 24, beginning in, let's start in verse 36. So keep in mind, let me give you some backstory on this. Um, Jesus has been crucified on Passover. And then on Sunday, the tomb is empty, the stone has rolled away, and it's at a time when some of the word of that is beginning to trickle out. You know, this isn't the Twitter days and all that kind of stuff when suddenly there's like an alert and on your TV bar, breaking news, Jesus rises from the dead. Like that's not actually happening. It's just trickling out primarily through his disciples because those who are opposed to Jesus did not want that news getting out. So it's kind of quiet at the moment. And Jesus has appeared to some disciples in different places and then been gone. And and some of the people understand what's going on and some of the people don't understand what's going on. It had to be a really exciting but confusing. And how do you even process information like this? And in verse 36, it says, As they were talking about these things, the fact that Jesus had risen, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Amen, right? And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. What an amazing thing that must have been. Like we don't, we don't, let me say it this way. It's really easy for those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a long time. If you've grown up in the church, we know this story so well that we can really easily separate our imagination from what's happening. But literally put yourself in this place. You know he died. You saw him get beaten. You saw him on the cross maybe. Like this was not a... a even though some today would try to say, well, he must not have really died. You know differently. You saw it. Your, your friends saw it. The other disciples saw it. You were part of the group that put him in the tomb. And now you're getting this word that he's been out. And you've heard Peter say that he's been out. But you're like, it's just Peter. Nobody really trusts anything Peter has to say yet, do we? So, so there's all this confusion. And then the, the ladies have met him. And you're like, really? I don't understand what's going on. And then all of a sudden, like literally imagine being in that room. And he's just there. Like, not knock on the door there, just poof, there is Jesus. And how, how startled would you be? How frightened would we be? We'd be terrified. And he goes, no, 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 look, it, it's me. And he shows them the wounds. He shows them his hands. He shows them his feet. He's, he's encouraging them to see, no, this is me. This isn't just some spirit. This isn't some ghost. I am alive in the flesh and blood. I have risen from the grave. This is me. The wounds are still fresh. Look, look, look. And the guys are just amazed. Now their amazement moves more away from fear, but to joy. Now it's no longer what is going on here, but it's like, I can't believe this is really true. And there's this excitement and joy, but also just like, what is happening here? And he asks for food. And so they're, yeah, get him some fish. So they give him some broiled fish and they're watching him eat and they probably got a million questions. I mean, what would you ask him if you were him, if you were there? How do you even begin to describe? I've always wondered, what was it really like at the tomb? 
when the day, the day that it opened up, how much blazing light, you know, all the different things, the different accounts that we see. Maybe you'd ask him that. Maybe you'd ask him, like, where were you during that time? Maybe there'd be tons of questions, but amazement. But he pushes through all of that stuff. And from this moment on, even to the ascension, Jesus is pushing one thing over and over and over and over. So that even in that moment, even in their joy, even in their amazement, he goes, now hold on, hold on, everybody settle down, settle down, listen, listen. This is what I need now. And he says in verse 44, then he said to them, these are my words I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. He says, okay guys, do you get it now? Like, you've been waiting for this king to just knock the doors of the gate open and come in and set everyone free. You've been waiting on this leader to kick Rome out of Israel, to set you guys up. You've been waiting for this liberator, but before you needed liberation from Rome, you needed liberation from sin. And that's why the prophets all along have been talking about this. Before anyone kicks the gates open to set Israel free from its political oppression, you needed your heart set free. And so he's, he's going through scripture. Can you imagine what a sermon that would have been to sit in that room? I mean, just imagine, right? Just imagine it in our context, if it was him and the nail scarred hands are turning the pages of the book as he's explaining the scriptures to you. What would that be like? And then imagine how all the lights are coming on now. They're suddenly starting to get it. Like, Isaiah 54 and talking about this this servant, this one who's going to suffer and all these other passages as he's going through, you're suddenly like, I get it. Like this was all part of the plan. This wasn't Jesus being victim to some political oppression. This This was part of the plan. He's been in charge all along. He knew what he was doing all along. And then even when they killed him, now he's risen again. We haven't been set aside. Our plan hasn't been defeated. Our leader isn't gone. It's as on track now as it's ever been. That had to be just amazing. Because, I mean, for days they've been thinking they're next, and it's all over. And now they're here, and Jesus is here, and he's alive, and they're starting to see all this stuff, and they're understanding, like, wait, it's not just about putting Israel back on the map. It's about forgiving all of us from our sins. It's about getting rid of a sacrificial system that makes us earn favor with God. It's about all this stuff, like, God has saved us. And then he says this, you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is always the thing that just amazes me. Like, Jesus is with them for three years, teaching them over and over and over. He dies. Three days later, he rises again. And just a couple of weeks later, he's gone. And he just leaves them. And his message to them is, you're going to carry this message to the ends of the earth. 
other gospel accounts. He says, you're going to go to Judea. You're going to go to Samaria. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to carry this message. And we go, yeah, that's what they did. Great commission. But just remember, guys, this is this tiny little ragtag group of nobodies. I mean, guys that thought they were done for, guys that thought it was over, guys that are scattering and hiding, and now Jesus pulls them together. He says, you've seen what's going to happen. I'm sending my promise to you in Jerusalem, and you're going to carry this message now to the rest of the world. In other words, all this stuff I've been doing for the last three years, now you're going to do it, guys. It's all you. Go, and he leaves them. Like, he didn't take them to seminary. He wasn't coaching them for years. He wasn't, he wasn't overseeing operations directly from that spot. He literally just leaves. I wonder how much they actually thought they would accomplish in their lifetime. You ever wonder about that? Like they're, they're nobodies under Roman oppression. And he gives this message to them and he says, now go, just go. In a lot of ways, guys, this is what's been happening in the church ever since. I mean, I, I could tell you guys right now, God may have commissioned Heritage, God called me, God planted Heritage 11 years ago, but a great amount of Heritage's experience has been like, Lord, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> how do we do this? And how can we even make a difference? We, we're just some little church in a gym. I mean, what are we supposed to do here? How are we supposed to actually make a change? But the plan of God from day one, and from the day of the resurrection, the day of the ascension, is that through the Holy Spirit, God would empower his people to carry this message to the ends of the earth. And just think about it, guys, we've said this before, like, if you're in Israel in the first century, then Medford, Oregon in 2019 is about as far to the ends of the earth as it gets, right? And so here we sit in this room, testimony of the effectiveness of what Jesus said was going to happen all along. He said, I'm going to change the world by sending my spirit upon you, and you will carry the witness of what you have saw and what you have learned to everyone else out there. It's amazing, right? And Heritage is part of that. We're really excited to be able to start the book of Acts coming up in September because um, the idea is as we are studying the book of Acts, we're actually learning not only about our own roots and where we came from, but about what we're all about and what we're even still doing here anyway. This is what we're all about. So for me, I, I can still remember, it was 11 years ago in June, uh, I was an assistant pastor at Mountain Christian Fellowship. Some of you guys were there. And Jim Wright, the lead pastor there of the church there, graciously gave me the pulpit for that morning, and I got to go up there and preach. I don't even fully remember what I was preaching about. I don't remember half of the stuff that I said back then, but I, I remember just the excitement that I had because we were going to go start this new church. We were going to go start a work in the other side. It was actually Central Point originally where we started at Jewett Elementary School. Just out of curiosity, can I get an amen from anyone that I was at the first or any of the Jewett Elementary Services? Amen. Amen. There was a few of you. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> First of all, that's amazing that you would even do that. Go in there. I remember 
Remember, it was so hot in that room, and they had these sunroofs up there. And I can remember as I would be preaching, the sun, as it moves through the sky, that sunbeam would move through the room, and people would scoot these aluminum chairs out of the way mid-sermon, trying to get out of the path of the sun. Uh, So me and one of the elders at the time went over there during the summer with this big old extension ladder and tarps, and we duct-taped tarps around the top of the sunroofs on the gym at Jewett Elementary School, hoping no one would notice, just trying to keep the sun out of there because literally at the time I was thinking like no one's going to come back to this why would they like there's so much nicer churches there's so many more nicer congregations nicer auditoriums nice all these kind of things why would you come here and like what's even the point of it and then I see what the Lord has done through the years and as we've studied over the past years more and more and more about church planting and about God's work of the gospel through that like I get it but but the idea is this there's a lot of things that we could be about here at Heritage, and, and we are about a lot of things, but making disciples, and even specifically making disciples through the planting of churches is a big, big deal. Because think about it, you're, you're going into other areas, and you're creating these little pockets of Christian family where people get together and they can practice the one another's of Scripture. You know what I mean? The love one another, the forgive one another, all those kind of things. How else do you do those things? So it's like going into enemy territory, if you will, and setting up a base. And in that base, not only are you encouraging and training and equipping one another, but it becomes sort of a base of operations where you can, if you will, launch attacks into enemy territory out of that place. And so Heritage has been part of a network, as I mentioned earlier, the Acts 29 church planning network for quite some time. Uh, if you've ever gone through your Bible and wondered why they would call it Acts 29 and you think it sounds heretical because there's only 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and like, what are they doing? Are they adding to the Bible? No, no the name simply means the Acts 29 church planning network is the continuation of what we see happening in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the story of how the Holy Spirit worked through the apostles in planting churches all over the world. And as these churches were planted, these little pockets of Christian family were planted all over the place, the gospel spread. And what really is taking place in all of these cases is dead men, dead in their sins, dead in their trespasses, dead men, women, and children are coming to life because of the proclamation of the gospel. And there's really no better way to do that than through the planting of churches. That is God's plan A for spreading the gospel throughout the world. Now, here at Heritage, we've had the benefit of being able to be a part of that for a long time. If you're a a giver here who gives into Heritage Christian Fellowship, then you are helping fund the mission of church planning through the Acts 29 network. And so for the past several years, we've been able to support church plants in Los Angeles, in some of the hardest areas like Compton, We've supported churches in Redmond, Oregon. We've supported churches in Post Falls, Idaho, in Washington, in Denver, Colorado, all over the place. And it's been a blast. And when we get together with these Acts 29 families, like I just got to this last week, and I actually get to spend time with those church planners, uh, two things happen. Number one, as I hear their early stories, it reminds me of my early stories. And it's life-giving to me. Like, oh man, I remember when I was there. I remember what it was like wondering if anybody was going to come. And it it just makes me want to support more and more of these churches because it's not easy. Church, it is not easy planting churches at all, especially in our day and age. It's just not. And so in one sense, I get excited about all these kind of things, but it always would create also this sort of internal longing 
to not just plant churches through sending a check to Acts 29 and them spreading the funds to other people, but to do it like ourselves. You know what I mean, church? Like for us to have our people that we raise up and we get to watch them go in the same way that I left the other church before and just be part of that ongoing network, that ongoing continuing generation of churches that plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. And just me, honestly, personally, really wanting the opportunity to be able to bless another new congregation in the way that so many of you blessed me when Heritage started out at the very, very beginning. I mean, even our name, Heritage, is this idea that we want to continue God's heritage. And so I have longed for so long to be able to do that. And as bittersweet as today is, I am so excited that we're now able to take this next step. Some of you know about it. Some of you don't. We've got a video that we showed before. It really kind of helps tell some of the story. Will you guys roll the story here and take a look at what's going to be kicking off here in two weeks? The gospel is really good news. In fact, it's the best news. It's the news that the world needs. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth. He became a man, and he did so to rescue humanity. Through his death, his life, his resurrection, his ascension, Jesus accomplished everything necessary for salvation to be made possible. And he's coming again to renovate the whole universe. This is good news. It's such good news that it needs to be spread. Jesus' mandate was for us to go. He said to go first to Jerusalem and then to Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. Well, here we are 2,000 years later at the ends of the earth, Southern Oregon, and the mandate, the commission is still there to go and to make disciples. This is what we're called to do. God has been so incredibly gracious to Heritage in our 10 years as a church. And we've always had a desire to be a church that plants churches. And so for that reason, in 2020, we're going to be playing a brand new church in the community of Grants Pass, Oregon called Philippi. Our heart is to invite people into a deeper relationship because when that relationship is fostered and when it grows, then we grow and others see that and others are drawn to him. Philippi was an amazing church in Acts chapter 16. They were a church that was planted through just this eclectic group of people that the gospel reached. Not only that, they were a church that was marked with generosity. Paul said that he was so grateful for Philippi that they were the only church that stood by him and funded his ministry. In the same way, we want to be a church that's generous, a church that is kingdom-minded, that spreads the good news of the gospel. We want to be a church that reaches whoever God would be bringing. We believe God has people in Grant's past ready to hear the gospel that he's going to send us to speak to. I am very excited to see people that have gone their whole lives without hope, without peace. I'm so excited to see that born in people, them to be born again and to actually experience that for the first time. Jesus said that the world would know that we are Christians by the way that we love each other. Our mission's gonna be simple. We're gonna be the church that lost people need to see so that we can preach the gospel that lost people need to hear. I grew up in Grants Pass and it feels exciting to be able to come back knowing so many people in the community and even knowing just a lot of the need in Grants Pass to be able to be part of just meeting those needs. But planning churches is not easy. It takes a lot of support. There's four different ways that you can join in this effort to plant Philippi and Grants Pass. Number one, most importantly, pray for us. This is a supernatural work. We can't make 
people come to life spiritually. So we need you to pray. Pray that God would have supernatural encounters ready for us as we go to Grants Pass, that people would come to know Christ. The second way you can get involved is to support financially. It's no surprise that church plants need a lot of outside support in the first few years. So if you feel led to give, go ahead and head over to Heritage Fellowship's website and you can give on there. Just specify that it's for the church plant. The third way you can support is to join our launch team. We're creating the launch team of people that simply want to make the drive for a season of time and be scaffolding in the beginning stages of, as we get things going. The fourth way you can get involved is to actually move and be Philippi Church in Grants Pass. If you feel God prompting you, let's do this. Let's move into the neighborhood. Let's be the church and let's see people come to Christ. You know, when I think about what God is going to do in Grants Pass, it's taking people deeper into a knowledge of Him, and the conduit of that will be community. I'm really excited for healing for the broken. We're really excited to see the gospel being spoken to somebody who doesn't know it or has a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. It's just going to be a great gift to be able to celebrate what the Lord is doing throughout Southern Oregon. I can't wait to see the gospel fruit that's going to take place in Grants Pass. We're not going to go make something amazing happen. Something amazing already happened 2,000 years ago. The gospel is good news, and we're going to go share it. Amen. So about, was it five or six years ago now? Six years ago now. We were desperate for a worship leader here at Heritage. Some of you are like, yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> I remember when Jeff led worship. Oh, we were desperate. Um, and a friend of mine named Lauren Anderson, who's pastors a church in Bend, Oregon, he's the um, part of, an Acts 20, of the Acts 29 network too. He contacted me and said, hey, aren't you kind of looking for a worship leader? And I said, I said, yeah, we haven't really gone full-blown official with it, but we're kind of looking and we're in, we're, we're in the market, I guess you'd say. And he was like, well, I, I found your guy. And I'm like, you found my guy? And he's like, yeah, I just had coffee with this guy and, and I, I kind of know him and, and this is who you actually need to hire. And I'm like, well, then why aren't you hiring him? And he's like, I just can't afford it, but you guys should hire this guy. <laughs> Praise God for lack of money in that particular season for that church. Don't tell Lauren I said that. Anyway, um, so we had a couple of Skype conversations with Sam Peck, and, uh, and, and it was a Wednesday night. We, we were like, look, we, we've had people come say that they can lead worship before, and then they get on stage, and you're like, ooh, no, 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 no. And so we really want someone that, that's really gifted musically that can be able to pull this off. So we actually brought Sam out here on a Wednesday night. Didn't know him from Adam. He didn't know any of you guys. And, and we had him come here, and he met with our elder team on that Wednesday before service. And, and then we actually had him come lead the Wednesday night service that we had at that time and lead worship there. That is not easy to, like, audition in leading worship at an actual service in front of people because it's like, it's an audition, but it's also real at the same time, if that makes sense. And, and I remember Sam, I don't know if it was just excitement or weak strings, but he got up here to lead worship that Sunday and like five or six strums in, it seems like, I don't remember, breaks a string in like the first song that he's leading up here, which is a worship leader's worst nightmare. Like that is so lame. It changes, those of you who don't know music, it makes your guitar sound terrible the rest of the time. Like it's just an absolute nightmare. And I'm just thinking, oh no. And I'm even thinking like, are we going to have to like bring him back up and give him another shot? Like what, what do we even do here? Or is this just a mess? But what I saw was Sam anointed by the Spirit of God, 
continuing to lead people in worship no matter what was going on with his guitar. And actually, most people probably by the end of that service didn't even know that he had broken a string. And I got to tell you, I knew right then that was our guy. I mean, as someone who's been in that position before, I'm thinking, if he can lead the people of Heritage into the throne room, if he can lead people in worship there when everything else goes wrong, then that's the guy that we need. So we spent some time with him and interviewed him, and by God's grace, we were able to hire Sam, and we brought him over here as a, what, 25-year-old guy to come over. And, but the goal all along from day one was like, hey, I'm going to be there for about five years or so, and then I think I'm going to be a church planner. And so for us at Heritage, we've had the blessing over the past six years of, uh, of being in that pipeline, knowing that this day was coming uh, to be able to go plant. But, but here's the deal, though. It's not, just about, it's not just a story about how we got to pour into Sam and, yeah, we did it, there's our guy, and he went and launched. But the thing is, is that those of you that have been here, you know, man, Heritage is so much better today because of the work that Sam has put in over the last six years. It's not even funny. It's true. It's true. <clears throat> we, we hired a worship leader and we got, I mean, I don't know, it's baseball season. I don't know how many of you know this, but we got a five-tool player, you would say. In sports, in baseball, it means a guy who can hit, he can run, he can catch, he can play defense, he can kind of do whatever it is we need him to do in that moment. And that's what the Lord gave us in Sam. So he started out as a worship leader and, and kind of built up our worship ministry. And then he started doing some teaching. And then he started doing a little this, a little this, organizing small groups. I mean, this guy has had experience in just about every area of pastoral ministry. But what he's done is not just be trained, but he has excelled and with a ton, guys, you, you, like I know the hours he's put in. He has served you. He has poured into you. He has prayed over you. He has fought even himself to learn more and more and more so that he could be better at the things that he does. And Heritage is an infinitely better church today than it was six years ago because of Sam. And so we have been so blessed. And so here's the bittersweet part of it. Like now we get rid of him. <laughs> like now he goes. Now, if we were just building a corporation, we wouldn't do that. Why would we do that? It's like our best guy. Why would we get rid of, you don't get rid of your best guy. I mean, sticking in the sports world, you build around that guy and you keep him and you try to do as much as you can while he's there. But the mission of Jesus Christ is that we send people out. And so as much as we have been blessed by having our best guy for the last six years, it is right to say, man, this guy's awesome. We need to send him. And so Sam's going to be going now to Grants Pass. Uh, next week, they'll be doing sort of a soft launch. If you're thinking about visiting, do not visit next week. Next week is kind of their core team, soft launch, all that stuff. I'm sure Sam will talk about that here in just a second. And then the next week, September 8th, Philippi Grants Pass is going to launch. And I am so excited to get to go out there that Sunday, spend time with them and see the thing. I, I'm, I'm just so excited for that. Um, but I'll be honest, Sam, Randy, it is a bittersweet thing because it's already, even this summer, it's been so weird. I mean, now my next door office buddy is Mitch, not you. That's a whole <laughs> nother thing. It's a whole nother thing. But, um, but Sam, you, you've made me a better pastor. You've been a really good friend. And uh, this church, I don't even know how to thank you, man. 
Um, so what I, what I just wanted to do right now is just give Sam an opportunity to come up and share his heart with you, give him an opportunity to, to say goodbye and also talk about what's coming up. Um, but I'm also excited. It's kind of goodbye and it's kind of not. Um, even starting in September 15th, I told you guys about this, this idea of, of taking on the book of Acts. They're going to be doing it with us. We'll, we're going to talk about pulpit swaps. You'll st- still see Sam. We're still family. We've just got one part of our family that has moved to, into Grants Pass and is doing a work there. But we're really excited to see what the Lord will continue to do through ongoing partnerships and gathering together. And, and I personally, I told Sam this as he went with us in, or, in uh, July to uh, Orlando for the Acts 29 conference. I'm excited now to have Sam maybe joining along with us at these pastors' conferences and being able to just share with him in a way and on a, on a level, I guess you'd say, that's a little bit different than what I've been able to do in the past. I'm really, really excited about it. But dang, I'm going to miss you, man. Guys, will you welcome Sam Peck? Come on up here, man. <clears throat> Hello, hola for you bilingual people out there. That was a joke, sorry. Just felt like it was getting kind of serious in here. I just was, oh man. Thank you, Jeff, so much. I don't deserve those words by any means. Um, But I just wanted to spend a little bit of time with you guys for a couple of reasons. For one, um, I just kind of want to introduce a little bit of what God is going to do and is doing already. Um, But for two, I, I really need to say, thank you and goodbye as well. Um, you know, I'm not moving to Alaska, praise God, um, so it's not like I'm really going that far away, but um, there's just some things I wanted to say to you guys. Uh, I'll tell you how I really feel. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, just some, some things I need to say, but if you guys want to grab your Bibles, because we are going to get in the Word really quick, and, uh, and while I'm saying these things, have this open, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22. So Jeff, you know, told you a little bit of the story of kind of me starting here, and which feels like three months ago, honestly. I can't believe six years went by, but I remember calling Jeff. Uh, I was just having some relational turmoil with the, the job I was at, the church I was working at before I came here, and I just um, I remember calling Jeff and just talking to him about it. I didn't really know Jeff yet, and he didn't really know me, but I was already hired at that point, and we were kind of in that countdown phase to moving down, and I just remember Jeff going... Well, hey, man, I know you're having some troubles back there, but we're, we love you. We're excited to have you. We can't wait for you to get here. And I just remember him saying that, and I'm like, this, this church is going to be family. I just had a feeling right then that this, this was going to be family. And, you know, the first thing I want to thank you guys for really is for, is for loving me and my family before you even knew us. I mean, the first day I show up, showed up here, I had people coming up and hugging me and just telling me how thankful they were that I was here, and they literally didn't even know who I was. I've just, you guys have always been so quick to love me and just, just been so affectionate. Um, it's been an amazing, an amazing season. Um, the second thing I want to thank you for is for caring so much for my, my family. I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, I almost started weeping in Starbucks. I'm like, people probably think I'm on drugs or something in Grants Pass. Um, I was thinking about it this morning, you know, um, all three of our children were born going to this church. My wife and I, five of our six years, no, six of our seven years, sorry, six of our seven years of marriage have been at this church. I mean, my wife and I have grown 
up here. We've, we've, we've really, like, the, some of the most formative years of our life and our marriage and our parenting and everything have been with you guys. And that's just crazy. And so I thank you for supporting us in that time, um, supporting that time in our, in our growth. And thank you guys for praying for us. I know that you guys do and that you guys have and that you guys will pray for us and for, for me and for my family. You understand um, the uh, target that's on your back when you tell the world that you're going to go start a church and begin to, to, to step into something like that. Um, so thank you for praying for us. And really, just thank you guys for being such good friends. Uh, I've been halfway across the world with some of you multiple times. Israel, Africa, um, countless Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and set-up crews and just tons and tons of things with so many of you guys. And you guys are just seriously some of my best friends. So thank you for being that. Um, I want to thank you for always letting me be myself up here and, and out there. A lot of churches have expectations of their pastors. They want them to be something that they really aren't. And you guys just really expect me to be a human being. And I appreciate that because I could do that, um, kind of. And I just appreciate that. Don't ever lose that, by the way. Don't ever lose that. Um, Let your pastors be real people because we're fallen and we're sinful and we're broken. And we need grace just like everybody, right? Um, Thank you for giving me space to learn how to preach. (laughs) I, I get these funny compliments sometimes from people where they're like, man, that was a great sermon. Thank you. Man, I'll tell you what, when you first used to start preaching, it was terrible. <laughs> but you're really good now. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't remember it being like that when I started, but, but it's true. I mean, you guys have graciously let me get reps in and learn how to communicate the gospel, and um, I'm still learning, but thank you guys so much for, for your graciousness in that. Um, Thank you for investing in me. You guys probably don't even have a clue how much this church has invested in me. Um, like I mentioned, I've gotten to, to visit Uganda. I've gotten to visit Israel, which was huge for the way that I think about the Bible. Um, you guys have helped me go through some, some um, biblical training classes to take in coaching and training. And all of that stuff is because of you guys and your generosity in this church. So thank you for helping me develop as a leader and as a pastor. Um, it's amazing. Uh, and thank you for, for not just letting me and the team go, but for sending us out and for saying we bless you and we want to we see you um, succeed and, and, and see the kingdom grow. Thank you for that. And I want to thank the, the, I feel like I'm giving a graduation speech, but this, the, I just, these things need to be said. I want to thank the board. Um, you guys don't even probably know the board, um, but I just want to say that you guys are represented really well by a board of elders here that has cared for me and my family deeply. Um, John Adams, Vern Blair, Mitch Pallotta, Mike Robinson, Jeff, Aaron, Jeremy, these guys, um, they're keeping this thing going when you don't even know it, and they have just absolutely cared well for me and my family in your place, and I appreciate that. And I want to thank Jeff um, for being my friend and not just my boss. I never felt like Jeff was my boss. He's just always my friend, and he's led me from the side, which is is a Jesus quality, actually. He just never come at me and just been like, hey, I'm, I'm right, and this is where we're going to do it, and you have to do what I say. He's always come alongside, and we've learned together, and we've grown together, which is, is humility. And, uh, and I'm just thankful for that. And I want to thank Pastor Jeremy um, for countless hours sitting in Jeremy's office and just letting me say stupid things and not telling me I'm a total idiot. Thank you, Jeremy, for that. 
just gospeling me, pointing me back to Christ, hearing my, my, my immature frustrations and angst, never with you guys, but just with other things, always, you know, just letting me talk those things out. Aaron, thank you so much, Pastor Aaron, for just letting me be your friend, from, from teaching me, never making me feel silly, and, and really being the first guy in line to help me get some of the, the complicated pieces of planting a church and not going to jail, um, all of that kind of stuff. Like, how do we do this thing in a way that is just, that is just like, I don't know, I'm, I'm a pastor, I don't understand how to read tax law. I mean, you know what I mean? So all that stuff, thank you. I just have to say, I mean, you guys have one of the best pastoral, um, and not only pastoral, but staff teams at any church I've ever been at. And I just hope you guys realize that. I hope you know that. Um, I've worked at a few churches, and there's just nothing like this one. So, yeah, give it up for me. And can I just say the reason, the reason for that is because we're at a church that is not about itself, but it's about sending. And it's about growing. And you guys have a leader who says, hey, I'm going to share this pulpit. This isn't about me. This is about instoring in others. This is about growing um, outside of just what we can accomplish here. So I just encourage you guys, you know, this is the first church plant. I'm kind of the first child, um, so to speak. Uh, Continue to live open-handed. Continue to say, God, we just have been given these resources and these people and these opportunities to give them away because that's how the kingdom works. That's how Jesus works. Now, not only did I learn a lot from you guys, but I, I just have to say, like, we learned a lot together, didn't we? I think together as a church, we learned how to worship Christ. I mean, I just watched the, the, the difference in, in, in the amount that, that the, the magnifying of Christ's name, the exalting of God's name in here in our times of worship together and on Wednesday nights and at first Wednesdays just began to increase. Like, we learned together as a church what it is to be a corporate worshiping um, body. And thank you for for learning that with me and growing with me. We learned about the importance of community here. And so many of you guys are leading small groups or in small groups and see the importance of that. And we learned the Bible together, man. Over the last six years, we've learned the book of Mark. We learned the book of Luke, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, etc. I mean, we've gotten to learn together as a family. Now, I know some of you guys are like, I don't even know who you are. But for those of you that do, we've learned the Bible together over the last six years. And it's been incredible. So thank you for that. We've learned the power of prayer together. We saw people brought back from the dead together. If anybody know what I'm talking about with Stephanie out here, I mean, that was the, one of the craziest moments. Uh, but to see God's grace in, in, in healing her and in bringing her to a place of health, it's just together, it was amazing. So this is a really sad moment because I'm not going to get to see you guys every week. And it's a sad moment because I'm not going to get to lead worship with you guys and be able to study the scriptures with you guys. And it really is, in so many ways, it's a sad moment. Um, But at the same time, it's a really exciting moment. It's a really exciting moment because the kingdom isn't, isn't shrinking, it's growing, right? It's an exciting moment because it's not retreating, it's advancing. It's not, um, sh- it's not becoming more shallow or more narrow, it's widening. It's exciting because it's deepening. And because God is, is on the move. And his gospel is going out. And, 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 and the, team, the team that you're sending um, is a representation of God's grace and God's grace upon grace. That he's extended grace to heritage and he's going to extend grace to Philippi and he's going to extend grace to more church plants so that more people and more people can hear this message and be transformed by it. This is good news. This is exciting stuff. So what I wanted to share with you guys just really quickly um, First, I'm actually going to read uh, Revelation uh, 19, and you don't have to turn there, but 
Here's the really good news about this. Okay, this is sad, and it's like, man, I'm not going to see these guys every Sunday, um, and this is going to be different inevitably, but here's the good news. Okay, Revelation 19, in the end, it says, And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah, from the throne came a voice, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Now check this out. This is what we have to look forward to, family, together, okay? Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen and bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. This is what we have to look forward to, okay? We have this marriage feast that we are all going to be at together. And, and, and this, this, this place, it, it's, it's to honor who? It's not to honor the saints. It's to honor the bridegroom. He's the point. He's the focus. He's the center. He's the reason we do all this. He's the reason we plant churches. He's the reason that we live. It's because he is the preeminent one. He is the center. He is the focus. He gets the glory. He is the sun and the moon. He, he is in, in heaven. He is the light, right? We don't need a sun. We don't need a moon. We don't need stars because he lights it up. He's the focus. He's the center, okay? And we get to celebrate that together at, at some point, when the new heavens and the new earth come. But here's, here's the thing we have to remember. Now, this is where I want you to look at Matthew 22. Jesus gives this parable. Now, keeping that in the back of your mind, Jesus gives this parable. It says this, Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast. Now, does that sound familiar? Okay, a wedding feast. He's connecting these two things. This is what we've just seen in Revelation 19 and what we're seeing here who invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Okay, so he sends out this invitation. Um, This is, of course, speaking about uh, the covenant community of, of, of Israel who rejected their Messiah when he came. They put him on a cross and killed him. They were invited to this feast, and instead they, they tried to kill him. So uh, verse 3, sent servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, tell those who are invited. See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. The feast is ready. It's waiting. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. And while the rest seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them, the king was angry. And he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. That's speaking of Jerusalem being flattened in 70 AD, if you, if you know your history. In verse 8, then he said to his servants, now this is the part I want you to see, the wedding feast is ready. It's ready. Why is it ready? It's ready because Christ already accomplished everything that needs to be done on the cross. I mean, it's, it's finished. Why did Jesus say that? It doesn't feel finished, right? It feels like it's still broken. It feels like everything's still not, not the way it's supposed to be. But yet Jesus said it was finished. He's, he's holding back the completion of all things because why? Look at it. The, the, the feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. What does he tell them to do? Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. 
And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. The feast is ready. It's finished. The cross is accomplished. Everything needed for, for, for righteousness and for, for completion. Why isn't God coming back? Why isn't he coming back yet? Why is the feast not now? Why are we still waiting for the feast? Because we're on a mission, and that mission is to go out into the streets and to invite everyone to this feast. Everybody. This is why we're planting a church. This is why we have to split. This is why we have to separate. This is why we have to go, as much as I hate to, because there's a feast coming, and there's a limited amount of time that we have to go and invite people to that feast. And like I said in the video, man, we're not going to go try to do amazing things to draw people. Something amazing already happened. The cross already happened. The gospel already is. It's a reality. And what we're doing is to go tell people the news that it's happened and invite them and say, there is a feast waiting. The bridegroom is waiting. Come. We're just going to go tell people about it. We're going to go. We got to go. We have to go. You have to go. I'm not saying you have to move. I'm saying you have to go. You have to go invite everyone and tell them the gospel, the good news, that it is finished, that there is restoration available, there's redemption available, that the places in their life, the unredeemed places in their life, that God is waiting and ready to come into those places and begin to redeem them because of what he purchased on the cross. Invite them to the feast. This is what we're called to do. This is why we're planning a church, and it's exciting. So on one hand, I just want to point out that there is a day coming where we will all party together and Christ will be at the head of the table and every tear will be wiped away and we will be wearing white robes. Shame and guilt will all be gone because of Christ's perfect sacrifice. But now is time to go. It's time to work. It's time to get as many people invited to this as we possibly can. Are you with me? There's work to do. When Jesus resurrected And Mary was at the tomb and she was so distraught, she was so upset because she couldn't understand who took the body of her Lord. Where did he go? And Jesus appears to her and she doesn't recognize him and she thinks it's the gardener. And she says, sir, do you know where they took the body of my my Lord? And she goes, and I can imagine just this endearing tone saying her name in the way that he'd said it so many times before. Mary. And she recognized him. And she fell on him and she grabbed for him because her Lord was resurrected. He was alive. He was who he said he was. Everything that he promised came to, came to fruition. And you know what Jesus says? The most interesting thing Jesus says, he goes, don't cling to me. And you're thinking, why? You're Jesus. Why would you tell her not to cling to you? You're the source of life. You're the living water. You're everything she needs. You're everything she wants. You're her Lord. You're her sovereign. You're her God. Why would you tell her not to cling to you with harsh, seemingly harsh words? And the reason was because Jesus knew that he had to go back to the right hand of the Father. He had to ascend so that he could send the Spirit to empower the church, to do the work of the ministry, to see the gospel advanced, to see the kingdom advance, to see the church grow so that people could get saved, so that, that, that this, this feast of the Lamb could be filled, that the seats at the table could be filled. Jesus knew there was work to do. Don't cling to me yet, Mary. There's a time for that. We'll be together in the end at the feast. But for now, I need to go to the right end of the Father so we can begin the age of the church to see the gospel go out.
So let's not get comfortable. None of us. Let's live open-handed. Say, God, multiply what you want to do because the gospel is good news. Amen? Okay, i got to say something really important here. I'm not planting a church. There is a team of people that is planting a church. I cannot, could not, my wife and I could not plant a church on our own. I've never, ever had a desire to do that. I've known since the beginning that God was going to give us a team of people and we would do it together. Because we're a kingdom of priests, a team of people. And one of the most miraculous pieces about this entire process is is actually one of the most obvious fingerprints of God on this entire thing has been the people that God has brought to do the work. God has brought us an incredible team of people that love the Lord and have such, such giftings to bring and give. And they've, guys, we've had almost seven people that are in the middle of or actively have bought houses in Grants Pass just to move to do this work. Can we give them up, give a hand for that? That is incredible. Like these guys, these guys have sacrificed much more than we have. These guys have said, many of them, I'm willing to drive all the way back to Medford every day to go to work so that I can be part of what God is going to do in Grants Pass. This is phenomenal. This is incredible. We have people that are willing to drive out to Grants Pass to be part of this church on Sundays. God has brought some people that were already living in Grants Pass that are feeling called to the work. This is incredible. But there is a team of people that, that are around us, and we're going to do it together. And that's really an, an incredible thing. And I have to honor one more person really quick before I invite the team up here. And that was the first person that said yes to this church plan. And it was my wife. Okay? My wife. She, she trusted Jesus in me to say yes to this. To leave a really good job with people that love us and security. And to go to a new community where we don't know anybody. And to take a big gamble and a big risk. And she was the first core team member. And praise God for her, man. I'm just so thankful for my wife. So I want to invite my wife up. I want to invite the core team up. I want you to see some of these guys so that you can kind of get a feel for who. So guys, come on up. I know it's awkward. Everyone's going to look at you, but that's just the way it is. Get on up here. So I invite the core team. Whoever is here, come on up, you guys. Hello. So, we wanted to pray for the team because we're going to do this together as a team. So, Jeff, I'm going to turn it, turn it back over to you, man. At this time, too, could we have the, the board, the elders from Heritage, come on up here as well? Um, first of all, those of you guys that are going, like, I'm just so excited for you. You're about to go on quite an adventure. Um, there's going to be hard days, and there's going to be fun days and amazing days. But what you're doing is of eternal value. Um, What you're doing is right in line with what you're going to be studying in the book of Acts. You guys are part of it in a way that most people will never actually get to experience. So I want to encourage you guys, like, soak it in. Like, those those early days go by too fast. I miss them. I miss them. So soak it in. And also, I thank you so much. You're standing with my friend. And that means a lot to me. I can't imagine doing the hard work of church planning without people around me like I had when we started. And so just as someone who loves Sam and Randy dearly, thank you guys so much for doing that. Um, What we want to do right now is just pray for you guys. And and just in the same way in the book of Acts, as you guys will see as you're studying, as we're going to see too, 
This, there's this biblical idea of laying hands on people and praying that the Spirit would come upon them for the commissioning of them to go and do the work that God's called them to do. And so we're going to do this for these guys. And, and I'm going to ask all of you guys, I, there's too many people, and so we're going to have to do like the human, like, I don't know how that works, like the chain game kind of a thing. Um, but the elders especially, if you guys who have spent so much time working with Pastor Sam and everything, if you guys could come up here and, and just surround Sam and Randy. And Bronwyn, my wife's going to come over here with Randy as well. You guys, most of you don't even know my wife. There's my wife over there. She can go over there and, uh, and hang out with Randy. She's just never on stage. This is weird. <laughs> and we just want to pray. So could you guys do me a favor? Um, could you help us honor them and just trust in the Lord? Let's just stand and pray together for these guys, can we? Father, I'm so excited right now and just so grateful and thankful because this is something that you've promised to do for a very, very long time. And it is an honor for us, Lord, in this room to get to experience this, God. Lord, we beg of you, trusting in the promises in your word, that your Holy Spirit would come upon this team in a powerful way. God, there are dead men and women walking right now in Grant's Pass that you have ordained to save through this team. It is a good work, and it's a work that the enemy will want to stop. And so I pray, God, that your spirit would come upon every single one of them for whatever role it might be, from the children to the lead pastor. God, may may your spirit come upon them, and I pray, God, you would create a community in Grants Pass unlike any other that is a shining example of your grace and your gospel, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. I pray, God, that you would give them grace in the ears of people in Grants Pass. I pray, God, specifically, Lord, not so much church transfer stuff, but, Lord, for people who don't know your gospel and need to be saved, God, may they just find themselves at Philippi. I thank you, God, for the sacrifice so many are making to move there or drive there, and I pray, God, you would just allow them, Lord, to cross paths with those who are in need. And, Lord, we ask for a harvest. Your word says, Lord, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so, Lord, here are workers that are saying, here am I, send me. So, God, send them. May their beautiful feet carry the good news of the gospel through the mountains of Grants Pass. And I pray, God, that dead men will come to life. I pray, God, that you will use them. I pray that you would grow this church because your gospel is saving those who need a Savior. And, God, I pray for Sam and Randy. Lord, I know firsthand the attacks of the enemy when you step out in this role. And I pray, God, as you have already been doing, that you would continue to make him a man with a strong back and a soft heart. I pray, God, for his time with his family at home. It's so easy to carry our work home with us. And and Lord, sometimes the burdens that a pastor may carry home are heavy. I pray, God, you would protect his home and make it a sanctuary where he can enjoy time with his family and enjoy your graces, enjoy your love and your delight. I pray, God, for, for them as they lead this team, Lord, that you would give to him a mantle so much more than the one you've given me, Lord, that you might grant him supernatural grace and wisdom as he leads. And I pray, God, he would find favor in those, the eyes of those he leads, Lord, that people would follow him as he follows you, Jesus. I pray you'd protect him, nurture him, grow him. I pray for their children, 
May pastor kids syndrome never take hold of them, God. May they, may they be primary converts at Philippi, Lord, who are worshiping you and serving you all the days of their life, Lord. And I just pray you would bless this church in ways that just, Lord, I pray you would amaze us as we hear testimony of what's happening over the hill. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you for these people. May your spirit go before them and with them. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Can you give it up for these guys again? Um, This is kind of funny. So uh, this is kind of funny. So I picked a gift. We wanted to give a goodbye gift to Sam and Randy. And so I picked a gift for Sam and then I asked Aaron if while I was gone this week, if he would make sure that we got something for Randy. And they bought the exact same thing, which is awesome. So, uh, and didn't know that. So uh, we got you guys these just amazing, really, really nice calfskin, goatskin, whatever it is, Bibles. There, it's the same one that we use here, ESV Bibles. And uh, man, I, I'm going to miss you, dude. I'm going to miss you, but I'm so excited for this new season of just going, so how'd it go this week, and, and being able to partner side by side in a really, really new way. Amen? So uh, here's what I've also asked, though. Even though Mitch had, like, the full band team up here and all that stuff, I feel like Sam needs to lead us in worship, like, one more time before he leaves. Don't you guys think? Don't you guys think? So Sam, while you're doing that, and you guys can all go down and worship together, um, while they're doing that, can I just say this too to everybody that's out there? We're not done yet. I want to see a church planted in Reading so bad I can't stand it. I want to see a church in Grants, in, uh, excuse me, another, we're going to plant, plant in your backyard, Sam. No, um, I want to see a church plant in Klamath Falls. I want to see an Acts 29 church in Roseburg. Like God put us here and there's like this big vacuum where Acts 29 has not had impact yet. And I believe that God is creating venues, places, these pockets, like I was talking about, to be able to infiltrate. So there might be someone in this room right now that's going to be the next lead pastor that we send out. You ever thought about that? Have you ever prayed about that? Have you ever wondered if God might tap you on the shoulder and have you do this work? I want to challenge you to do that. Because we need churches out there so bad. We need more gospel-centered churches in so many places really bad. And I'm telling you, like, I want this to be the first of many churches that God is planting through Heritage Christian Fellowship. So maybe you're out there. Maybe you need to pray about it. Maybe you need to consider it. And maybe you'll, you'll be the next one up here. Let's all pray for that. Amen? Let's continue to pray for God's grace in that way that we might continue to send churches out there. May we continue to raise up people as amazing as Sam and continue to send off our best guys for the glory of God and the spread of the gospel. Amen? Let's worship. Sam, will you lead us, man?